I'm Ian Dallimore, and this is Digital and Dirt. I can confess that now, yeah. You and I can literally talk for hours. It's one of the most exciting things happening to our industry right now. Hi, welcome back, guys. This next guest, she was eight years at the IAB as the EVP representing some members such as Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Disney. Uh, She's from Sweden. She has a husband and two beautiful daughters, and she's actually been in the out-of-home industry a lot longer than her current title. Uh, Her dad was a farmer and had three billboards, so we'll definitely have to ask her about that. But my good friend, president and CEO, Anna Bagger of the OAAA. Nice to have you, Anna. Oh, it's so nice to be here, Ian. Thank you. I'm honored to be on. I love this podcast. Oh, I appreciate it. So I'm a big history buff for those of you who don't, don't know, but every instance in history and time, there's always been certain people, whether it was a president or a, or a leader or a general or a CEO that comes along that's right for the time. And those of us who have, who have been in the industry for a long time, we've, we loved Nancy Fletcher, the former CEO at the OAAA. And as the interview process started, and I was fortunate enough to be in it, we all kind of gave our opinion on you know, what the next individual should be to take over the OAAA and bring it into the future where we are. And in my opinion which I think has a little bit of weight at this point. I believe that we, the industry couldn't have picked a better leader for the time. And I think your accolades and your background at the IAB and where we are in programmatic, where we are with data, and then just the future, I feel like you were the perfect fit. And believe it or not, for our listeners, you've actually already been here for two and a half years. True. Well, thank you, Ian. I think it's the first time that I'm being kind of thrown in there with precedence in general. So I'm, <laughs> I'm now very embarrassed, but also really happy. Uh, thanks for that. It is really great to be part of this industry. It's been two interesting years, two and a half almost, that did not kind of pan out the way I thought they would. But I am. it's been rewarding all along, and I'm now very excited about what's you were definitely given a bit of a challenge right off the bat. And I think that, you know, maybe it, it's, there was a reason for everything in life. And I think maybe that had made you the ability to kind of readjust and pivot and really shine. Because one of the things that we saw mostly was the industry being able to pause and pivot, which we talk about a lot on this podcast. So you've had an amazing career and we won't go through every single job you've had throughout your career. You've lived in many different countries, but most specifically, we'll fast forward to the IAB. Maybe give our listeners who don't know you well kind of your experience with the IAB, and then we'll transition over to your role at the OAAA. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, if I may, I may start just the job I had before the IAB Perfect. or the industry I was in, because I think it, it actually led me to where I am today and out of home. So I started off on the mobile uh, and telecommunication side working first as an industry analyst for many years, uh, doing a lot of research and, you know, a lot of evangelizing actually around what then was uh, the the transition from fixed telephony to mobile telephony. And then I worked for a vendor, Ericsson, for many years, again, in the mobile mobile space. And that eventually led me to the IAB, who were looking for someone to start their mobile advertising practice. They didn't really have one. But they saw with the iPhone that this is going to be a platform for advertising, or probably it will be. So we need to start creating some standards and start, you know, creating some research and other resources that can help our members make the most out of this and and hopefully sell ads. And that start was kind of rocky, too, because, first of all, the the CEO of the IB left for only a month. But IB was a little bit in free fall when I got there. And it was a pivotal time, I think, for digital media. I was 
right in 2010. And programmatic was kind of taking off and there was mobile, but there was not a lot of framework around the industry still. And mobile that I was set out to lead was nobody really got it. Everyone had an iPhone, but people didn't think of those little ads on phones or mm-hmm. no one's going to see it. Who's going to want to spend money on it? What is it? And we did a, a revenue benchmark, I think in 2011, and we came to the conclusion that mobile advertising is worth somewhere between 550 and $650 million. And we weren't really sure because it wasn't even accounted for in accounting systems, but it was small. But at least then we kind of knew what we, where we came from. And then started a really interesting journey of just kind of promoting the hell out of the platform, building some standards, specifying ad units, giving great examples of what mobile advertising can do, and getting more media companies on the bandwagon. You know, this is something you should look at because consumers are on the mobile phone. And it was a pretty successful ride because I think when I left the IAB, this is not because of the IAB only, but maybe a little bit. Mobile advertising, I think, was around somewhere between 70 and $80 billion. So it's definitely a platform that grew. So I think that I kind of got passionate about the concept of building industries and help promote marketplaces. I sort of done that before, but not as much. But the idea was really a starting point for that and mobile. Yeah. And working with mobile, I then got exposed to out of home because out of home is such a close link with mobile. And in many ways, it's it's the physical connection, right, to to the individuals. And the, the mobile phone is kind of the glue that ties that to the media and then to the out-of-home. So I became really interested in, in digital out-of-home and what it could do and just the creative opportunities and, and things like that. So that's sort of where I started my, my out-of-home journey a little bit yeah. and, and got passionate about the meeting. Then, you know, I ran video, I ran data, I ran programmatic and all these different things for the ID. But mobile was really the starting point. Yeah, so what a great startup because... Hey, I think it's fascinating because you and I, we've lived in the world where ads were uh, on a mobile device were kind of laughable. So you, you were positioned at that point where you were trying to pitch a new medium and that had to have been very challenging to tell people to your point uh, and we'll jokingly say and not jokingly say that no one really cares about those banner ads still today. Uh, they would prefer a large <laughs> format billboard. That is true. But but, but, I can confess that now. Yeah, yeah, but we do respect the synergy between mobile and out of home. And we've seen a lot of success. But the point there is you started with a product that was very new and was beginning to see momentum. And obviously, at the back half of your career, it really blew up and took off. And ironically, we as the publishers in the out of home space, uh, it's been about 12 years now we've been doing mobile and out of home. So we were actually trying to knock on your door at the IAB, not specifically you, but the committees to say like, Hey, let us talk to your members about how out of home and mobile work together. So it's kind of interesting that the two industries were trying to cross paths. So now we, we see that success all the time, but fast forward now as the president and CEO of the AAA, it makes perfect sense because we're at this infancy, even though we've been doing it for a while, we're at the infancy of programmatic, of data, of digital out of home morphing beyond just roadside billboards. So that's why I kind of made that comment that you're a perfect fit for where the industry is going. So maybe A, give our listeners who aren't familiar who the AAA is and kind of tell us about what they do, non-governmental side of our business, but more on the, the innovation and forward thinking side. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, thank you for saying that. I'm perfectly positioned. I hope so. And I'm certainly very passionate about what I do. And before I get to the OAAA, I want to just tie a little bit between the, the mobile banner that you talked about that nobody sees or remembers, which is true. 
and out of home that is the world's oldest ad form that kind of everyone knows what a billboard is but the similarity between mobile advertising frankly also ott which was a big part of what i did at the ib too so video that's over the top non-television digital video mm-hmm. is that the use case is not fully understood on the buyer side right Even with out of home, the oldest medium, I feel that there is a lack of understanding both from advertisers and and from certain parts of the agency community of what out of home can do, the reach it has, that it's way more than just, which by the way is what you really want to be, but nonetheless, a brand building medium, upper funnel. Out of home covers the whole funnel. Mobile was not about the banner ad. Mobile was about the knowledge of the user and being in their hand and for them to be able to connect with other media forms. And out of home, it has all these different features too that are not known. So I see my role as the OAAA very much as explaining our media, what it can do and, and how it's so much more than I think a lot of advertisers and buyers think. So there's, there are a lot of similarities there. The OAAA, of course, is the largest trade association. I would say the only real trade association for out-of-home media. That's my perception. And we really work hard at, first of all, defend the industry. We're a lobby organization, so we have staff who are, you know, lobbying both the Hill and, and state level, talking about our medium and making sure that we're understood by lawmakers and that they're creating laws that are favorable to us and that things aren't arising that can cause problems for the industry. So we're constantly keeping an eye on developments in D.C. and very focused on on that. And that goes for both the Highway Beautification Act, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. So anything kind of roadside advertising, freedom of speech, those pieces. But it also ties into taxes and privacy and things that matter to a lot of different constituencies in the out-of-home community. That's number one. Number two is about creating standards and guidelines that make it easy to transact out of home. So we all talk about an ad. We talk about the same type of ad. When we talk programmatic, we talk about the same type of programmatic, and we call things the same thing. When a buyer says, I want to buy this from you, it's good if you deliver that. And when you say, I want to sell something to you, it's good if he understands what that is. So it's very much about creating a framework and standards that just makes it easier and cheaper in certain ways to sell, right, and to buy. You don't have all that extra cost of trying to understand things and making stuff up every time. So that's a big part of it. Then it's a lot about evangelization, right? Case studies, research, data that can help promote uh, and sell our medium. Yeah. So we cover basically from an industry perspective, everything that is needed for our medium to be successful and also grow successfully into the future. Yeah. And you kind of alluded to it, the which I agree. I think CTV is the new mobile and out of home, you know, we continue to kind of add different media sets. And I, I'm one of the biggest proponents of this. And when I go out and educate to brands and agencies, it is don't just buy out of home, you need to tie social into it, you need to tie your CTV ad, you need to tie in mobile, and really truly talk to that consumer's journey. So uh, one of the things that you and I kind of talked about, and maybe I'm teasing next year's kind of focus, but why is out of home so important to advertisers in this mixed model of different formats, you know, why is it important to tie in CTV? Why is it important to tie in other channels? Oh, well, I happily answer that because I, I think it's my favorite question. And it's also the most important thing for our, our industry to communicate right now. We're actually building a theme next year, both for an industry campaign and pretty much everything we do, which is all focused around out of home being a key ingredient. So advertisers need to make sure that out of home is part of their media plan. Why? Again, because out of home is the medium that 
a consumer sees and actually likes to see and absorb while being out and about, right? When they're not home watching television or listening to a podcast or whatever, well, that might happen simultaneously. Out of home is everything that's happening to them that touches them through their day on their consumer journey. So it needs to be tied to the messages they see in other places. Advertising is all about frequency and reach. And you need to repeat a message a number of times to really ensure that there's a transaction or a message is being uh, perceived the right way by a consumer. And out of home is just such an important part of that. And that is important for CTV, for OTT, for podcasting, for digital media, even for television. For a number of different reasons, for repetition of ad messages, but also because our media end of the day is soon to be one of the few places where you actually can show a real ad and call it an ad, right? For sure. Consumers are consuming messages of different kinds and both in television and, and now in OTT that are not ad supportive. Uh, they prefer that. They skip ads online. They um, uh, opt out of, of operating systems where they share their data. They're just not really fans of being served ads anywhere else than in out of home. So yeah. for an advertiser, right, you need to tie the whole media journey together. And out of home is maybe the place where you serve ads and then you give people inspiration and reason to think about products in other formats and, and forms and other types of media. Yeah. And it, it's fun. And your younger daughter probably does this as well. But my kids, when we're not watching Hulu or Netflix, which is basically not much ever, but if they get served an ad, they literally lose their shit. And it's hilarious to watch because I'm like, you guys have no idea. I used to have to sit through six pods <laughs> of commercials. So we always talk about this. So you know, we alluded to programmatic and how it can help increase the impact and the use of data helps programmatic out of home be more targeted towards a consumer, a specific segmentation of an audience. And now we're beginning to, to have that conversation. You know, you talk about educating folks, having traditional out of home static, classic, whatever you may call it, and then littering in that programmatic side of business, that's beginning to be the holy grail of, of an out of home purchase. And Maybe touch on that a bit because the emotional and creative impact that out of home has, and if it's done right, it can really be the old school combination of a newspaper that you read and then the radio that your dad would listen to on his way to work every day. Yeah. I mean, programmatic is one of the most exciting things that I think is happening to our industry right now because it just gives us a lot more opportunity to do things and reach consumers in different ways. And again, it's not just about out-of-home or it's not just about programmatic. It's about tying, it from an out-of-home perspective, all the different screens and signs together, right? So you use the most premium, uh, this is just an example, but the most premium ad space we have, whether it's in Times Square or driving into the Lincoln Tunnel that I do every day or on the Sunset Strip to get a message out, right? And that attracts a number of views and impressions, right? And then consumers share that message on social media. Then you can activate on that message in a number of different places, ideally programmatically, to reach the audience you want to reach. And today, you know quite a bit, even staying within the privacy regulations that we have, about who saw that ad, who shared it on social media, who communicated around it, and actually where they are. So you can tie different platforms to out of home, and then you can reach people wherever they are through programmatic. That would be really hard to do in a fast-paced way if you were to cobble it all together and do it uh, through a, just a traditional buy. So programmatic just speeds up the process, 
makes it possible for advertisers and agencies to use their own data and knowledge about consumers to get to them. For us to use data we have, which can create a premium situation for us as well, and just make the purchase of that advertising campaign so much more efficient. Then, you know, we have a lot of static media and out of home, and that's always going to be the case. And I think that that's a real strength of our industry because, again, the consumer doesn't really care whether it's a digital sign or it's a static sign if it's a good message and it's a beautiful creator. That's going to spark their attention. So you can programmatically or through automation also buy static inventory. You can tie all the different pieces of inventory together, but also by using sort of digital technology and data and other things, QR codes, whatever it is, you can create a connection between offline and online, and then you can just build way more reach and opportunities for an advertiser. So programmatic is not a threat. It's not difficult. It's a different tactic of selling, but it's something that can help amplify our medium and just make our the buy much more stronger. So it's a combination of, of a very premium buy, which probably won't happen programmatically, could, but might not, where you kind of start the spark, so to speak, and then you use programmatic to really spread that everywhere. So you touched on a lot of perfect points that I think we'll dive a little bit deeper into. But the other side of the creative side of it is, is we're seeing more and more of buyers, whether it's programmatic or to your point, automation, because I do agree programmatic is just a sales channel. It's not replacing anything. I think the automation side is going to help speed up the sales process, the RFP process within agencies. But when you're, you're using data to your point to buy, it's also imperative that the buyers, the brands direct, they realize to use that data to also dictate what the creative is. So we do see a lot of creative triggered campaigns, obviously with weather, traffic, social, but also using that same data to make sure that the creative is relevant. And what I love, and it resonates a lot with Lamar because we are in over 180 DMAs, is when you see national brands begin to buy smaller markets and the creative message fits to that market and it's relevant. So to your last point about it doesn't have to be, it doesn't matter the screen type, you know, our friends at Colossal Media with uh, Kelly Peppers, you know, we did a phenomenal podcast with her and she and her company have found a way to take a static wall paint and now it, it garners more social media attention than anything that a Lamar out from yeah. JC to co would post because there's the amplification of mobile and there's this kind of back and forth that occurs in our industry that I think unintentionally consumers just get excited about the public space and they get excited about interacting with things. And if it's great visual to your point, and oftentimes using that data allows for that visual to be relevant in a specific market. So I, I think that that's one of the advantages that we have in out of home over all other media types. It's tough because you're competing with CTV and you're competing with TV commercials because they're very emotional. But if done right, out of home can be very emotional and connecting to consumers. Oh, 100%. I mean, if we just knew, you and I have talked about this. I think we don't have enough confidence in ourselves and in our medium. Our medium has powers that no other ad platform has, which is, by the way, why I went here, because I think there's just so much opportunity. Consumers like out of home. Consumers like seeing these ads. They're being inspired, I think, in particular when they see Kelly Pepper's beautiful wallscape. But any form of creative, if it's done right and if it's fit for them, and, you know, programmatic and digital gives us an opportunity to serve them based on location, who they are, uh, what's going on in that part of the world in a very good way. 
when we do that, we can absolutely compete with television because television, unlike out of home, less and less has an audience, right? We have that audience. For an advertiser, if we can just articulate all the things we can do for them and how we can get the message through, we serve something for them that, that television can't or CTV because CTV might not have that many ads in, in it anymore and it's very hard to buy and it's very hard to target. Exactly. And television, go to yourself. Not a lot of people watch it anymore and now it's also hard to measure. Right. So I think it's about explaining how we have a connection with the consumer and how you can buy audiences in out of home because I, I think that's the problem. Advertisers don't think they can and they don't understand that they can use all this technology now to, to get to out of home and that they can use a traditional DSP to buy audience across a number of channels and we can be part of that, which is the other part of programmatic, right? Tying out of home to other media formats. Once we get that message, message across, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah, agreed. And and I believe you had a guest on where, where you spoke with Rashad Tabakawala and he said, the out of home medium, it's the only media that technology hasn't killed. You know, you look at the newspaper, yeah. you look at, and that's uh, that's a testament of our industry is we embrace technology. So to kind of pivot over more to the meat of this podcast and what I really want to talk to you about, because you and I have spent a lot of conversations and a lot of the, the industry, both mobile and and out of home has focused for obvious different reasons. But, you know, Facebook, Snapchat and others, they're facing these major headwinds with Apple's iOS 14 privacy update. And for our listeners who don't know, almost over 50% of the U.S. population have an Apple phone. Explain to our listeners, A, what that iOS 14 update was and the privacy and what it's done. And then we'll dive in a little bit deeper on what impacts it has in the out-of-home space, both positive and negative. Yeah, so let's start with why we think Apple did it, because that might be surprising to many, right? They have this platform that collects so much data on consumers and they are making a lot of money on it and they uh, all of a sudden make changes that cut it off. I think they do it partly because they see the writing on the wall when it comes to privacy regulation, both in Europe and in the U.S. and globally, where consumers, first of all, are way more interested in their privacy and care more about what's happening with their data than they have ever been before. Your kids, my kids, they understand it in a completely different way than, than we do, right? And they're the coming in generation. Secondly, governments care about this more than they ever did before. And they want to control the way that you can pick up data on people and then share advertising to them. We've seen that play out through, you know, just Cambridge Analytica and other things that have happened in the market. And and just in general, how, you know, the government want to take care of its, of its population, make sure they're safe. So this is important. Um, and for a company like like Apple, of course, it's a brand risk to be involved in something that's always a threat and being communicated about. But even more so, Apple makes money on their apps, right? And in their app store, and they want to keep their developers happy. And they want to drive people to consume all forms of media they can in non-app supported environments uh, where they have a revenue share with a content provider. They simply make more money on that. So Apple is, I would bet you, <laughs> I can't say this 100%, but I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm not the only one. Apple is committed to this change, and they're not going to change. Nope. I would argue that Google with Android is not far behind. They're going to do it too. So what they did was they, in their new operating system, they added another layer in where, you know, where you used to be asked, are you willing to share your data so we can serve you better information? 
for example, you have to share your data to be served weather information. Otherwise, if they don't know where you are, are they going to tell you if it's going to rain or how hot it's going to be? And, and other forms of information was important, location in particular. Sure. With a change now, they're asking a follow-up question, or I think they're actually tying it all together. But it's basically, are you okay to share your data? Are you also okay to share your data for us to share for advertising purposes? And here's where, you know, it's kind of crap. Most consumers say, no, we're not. We're actually not going to share our data. And where it used to be, people just kind of clicked We've seen this play out both in the browser world. and Yeah. yeah. Here, all of a sudden, consumers took an active part, thought it through, read the message, and said, no, I'd I'd rather not. So since this was introduced, you know, there's often of a little under 25%, where it used to be, I'm not sure, but close to 90. That means that there's a pool of data and consumers you can't reach. Uh, Also means that these consumers you don't want to reach because they kind of actively told you, stay away from me. And the where it used to be about almost 50-50 from an advertising spend perspective on Android versus uh, iOS 13, it's now 70-30. So there is, you know, a real shift in how advertisers are spending money. And when you look at Google and Facebook, or rather Facebook, Twitter, Snap, and actually a lot of just regular digital publishers, they're being hit by this. Mm -hmm. Their revenue is being affected. They're still making a lot of money. Sure. But there is a leakage of dollars that's probably going somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I think. I don't think that. Well, just to add, but I saw that Snapchat in Q3, they saw a significant decline in revenue. And it's interesting, Anna, because look, we live in the ad space, but it is kind of fun being the, and, and I know you're going to discuss this, but the people that don't have to worry about data and fraud in the out of home space is one. But it's interesting seeing everyone blame. They're like, oh, this is Apple's fault. Like it's their their issue and they're trying to hurt the ad industry. But to your point, the consumers, it's really given me full control. And as a consumer of the product, I'm not going to buy any other product but Apple products. And to your point, I believe that they're setting up their own wall garden ad tool. But also on top of it, they want you to feel safe with their product. And I think it's a smart move. My kids will not own anything outside of an Apple. No, and they're creating a, a completely locked-in environment. They're very smart, and they're sticking it to their main enemy in the world, which is Facebook. Yeah. And so they're successful at many levels. I think you see now, if you look around society, and this has been going on for years now, there's just a lack of trust in media, how your information is being used. You're being scammed on the internet. You change your credit card four times a year. You hear messages, whether it's on, you know, right-wing or left-wing media, but that you've never heard before. You don't quite understand what's going on around you. There's just like a lack of trust in messages that you're getting from the press. So you just don't want to be served ads in those environments and you definitely don't want to share, right? And you want to protect yourself. So so this is this is not a trend and this is a very deliberate move and it's something Apple's been thinking about for years and it's happening and it's going to drag Google along for sure. And, and it's going so to be a whole new world. Yeah, it is. And, and for our listeners that haven't seen The Social Dilemma, highly recommend you watch that. You will quickly change your behaviors and sharing data and information. And it helps you better understand it. I think I had an aha moment watching it with my wife and she was like, wait, is this what you do? And I was like, no, 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 no. We're on, <laughs> we're, luckily, we're on the other side of it. But we do get a lot of, I get a lot of questions from brands that are like, wait, but you're pitching me the ability to audience segmentate specific audiences and your overlay and data. Explain to our listeners a little bit more on how that's different and how this positively affects out of home. Obviously, the leakage of dollars is key. And I want you to discuss that. But more importantly, the data side 
does it hurt out of home with our current data partners? And what does that shift look like? Well, I mean, we're different. First of all, we're kind of a little bit behind the curve when it comes to digitalization and the use of data in our media. So we haven't, had we started years ago, we might have been in a different situation. We probably would have used data the same way, but we haven't. And we didn't really have to because we're a contextual medium, right? Like it's all based on location. We know quite a bit about the consumer without having to micro-target. We're also one to many. So we're not actively trying to target an individual. We're trying to target as many as possible with a message. And then whoever else sees it, great if we convince them too, right? We're different in that sense. So for us, it never was an issue. Now, this will probably affect us in certain ways just because there's far less data about consumers and their movements and mobility. But I don't think it's going to affect us in a way that we're going to lose ad dollars. It's just going to make us have to think a little bit differently about how we're talking about audiences and the knowledge we have of them. So, I I mean, overall, this is good for us because consumers like out of home, they see our ads and they don't perceive them as an intrusion. And when it comes to targeting and data, we know what weather it is in Baton Rouge today and in that area and roughly who is there, right? So we can, we can send good messages anyway. Yeah. And we get, we do have a plethora of data. And, and again, it, it is a broader audience segmentation. So to your point, it's not a one-to-one, but I always say this, you know, it's always intuitive. Like you can overlay data to say like, Hey, these are the highest index population, uh, highest income. And these are people that'll shop at XYZ uh, jeweler. You know, we have a, a very prominent jeweler who's a client of ours in the state of Louisiana. And we used to show him data, our local AEs. And he'd be like, yeah, I know. I don't need your data to tell me that. I have my own data. It's called receipts and common sense. I know where all the the large houses are in Baton Rouge. So in a way, I think our medium, to your point, it's a location base. So you know that that panel near Columbus, Ohio, downtown, right down the street from Ohio Buckeyes, and they play on Saturday night, you know that there's going to be over 100,000 people gathered in that area and walking around, and they're most likely going to be Buckeye fans. Do you need data to show you that? Maybe not. No, and and you know what, Ian? It's, there's data and there's data. Yep. There's the data that you collect mm-hmm. willingly or unwillingly from consumers on the internet to use to target them with what we call behavioral advertising. That's the ad, shoe ad that follows you around for years or the engagement ring that still follows you around even after you got divorced, right? The, the data that never lets you go, that pinpoints you as an individual. That type of data is what we want to get away from. That type of data is what other advertising mediums are very dependent on. Now there's first-party data and the knowledge that advertisers have of their audiences that they want to get to regardless. They have loyalty programs. They are communicating with their audiences through social media. They are communicating with audiences in other ways, that's leaning in, wanting customer service, et cetera. That data is not illegal to use. You have to be careful because it can't be creepy. But the fact that they can use that data through programmatic, for example, which is one reason that the CPMs and programmatic are high, right, is that brands can use their own data to target really effectively and out of home more effectively than they could if we were just to sort of cobble it together. That data is still there. And they know a lot about consumers. We know a lot about location. So you can still create very powerful advertising without using bad data. Yeah, agreed. And going back to that one-to-one, and we've all heard the the different ad disaster stories where Target sent the direct mail piece to the 15-year-old and her parents found out that she was pregnant because they were sending her diaper yeah. ads every week. That's never going to happen in our medium. So 
you're going to see more. And, and can I add to that, Ian? Because yes. I think one tying it to other forms of media, mm-hmm. this is the thing. Use out of home to get attention and to create a favorable interaction with the consumer. Right. Then make sure that that out of home leads that consumer to a place where he can either buy something from you, yep. so a direct link through a QR code or whatever it may be where they can purchase the product, or where they can say, hey, we want to know more. We want to find out more. Then you have an open connection where the consumer opted in, where you as an advertiser can start talking to them. And it's in a favorable one-to-one connection that's not in an ad that disrupts their media consumption. So it's using out of home to open a door that then can create that communication with someone who you actually want to communicate with who's an actual customer. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. And we always talk about this. Out of home should be used as the conduit into other portals in your life, whether it's yeah. the mobile device, go window shopping, yeah. using that billboard as that brand recognition over and over again, but also being very pinpointed on specific audiences. I think that's the beauty of the medium is it could be both. And in both yeah. instances, you're using data to utilize that. And the consumer is in control. The yep. consumer opts in and says, hey, I want to be here. And right. that's what it's about, like giving them back their control in a medium that they like. Yeah, exactly. And it's delight and surprise every day. This could make your day and impact your day. So make sure you do it right. So you talked about the spillage of Facebook getting hammered with this change with iOS 14 with data and Snap and others. How do we in the at-home industry, how do we position ourselves and have the conversation why we're important and why we should be capturing those dollars? I know that's a very tough well, question. And, you know, it's something that we, first of all, we should jointly develop. And definitely a place where I think the OAAA and other trade associations can play a role. I mean, one thing that we're wanting to do is make sure that everyone speaks with one voice, because if we're all pitching and preaching the same message, we're just going to have a lot more impact and it's going to be a lot less confusing right. to the advertiser and to the buyer. I think, first of all, I don't think we should be so afraid to talk about the power of our medium and how it can do the same things as other media formats can do. Our medium has a lot of the same features as Facebook, right? A lot of the same features as television when it comes to broadcast and wide reach, et cetera. Big ads that can take up a full page, right? Like that's out of home. So we shouldn't be afraid to talk about that. We should think about more about what is it that the advertiser is trying to achieve. Stop thinking just about the location. What is it that we actually can do with this? And learn from the playbook of how Facebook and others became successful, right? How are they selling? We should sell the same way. I hear a lot, oh my gosh, they're our biggest clients. Is that going to affect us? Are they now going to stop buying from out of home? No, we're 4% of the ad industry. They're not going to stop buying from out of home. They figured out that we work for them. They're going to continue to buy from us. In fact, I think they're going to buy more from us when they need to build favorable consumer perception because we are a medium where consumers like the message. So I think it's an opportunity from that sales yeah. perspective. It's also not the same person at Facebook that sells their ads that buys their ads. Those are two very different departments. So it's not going to hurt us. We just need to be a little bit more aggressive in our selling. And I think we're going to sell on what we can do and what we can do for an advertiser more broadly and how it ties to other media forms. We have a great story to tell. Yeah, we really do. And I think sometimes we're also afraid of like saying why we're better than online, why we're better than social. I think we, we kind of dance around that a bit, but one of the things that you and your team at the OAAA has done a great job of is putting us out there more with the IAB and four A's and A and A I know myself, I'm, I'm a co-chair of a committee where we're building out spec standards for OpenRTB and OpenDirect. 
And we're having conversations with the tech teams at the IAB. And on a naturally, what's happening is you get these guys at Centro, the Trade Desk, Adelphic Viant. And these are the tech guys that are, and girls that are saying like, yeah, yeah, you need to do this and it needs to look like that. And we're building specs and we're literally handing them the playbook to be able to go back and say, hey guys, we need to go ahead and integrate with out of home. And we've seen that with yeah. two majors, Google and Amazon that are a part of this committee that are now saying like, hey, we need to integrate this faster with out of home because their tech teams are like, the specs are there. It's easy yeah. for us to build in. I really think that we're, we're at the infancy because we're about to unlock the ease of buying and whether that's automation or programmatic or both. I think that's when you're going to begin to see people say like, all right, we have privacy issues. We want to stay away from that. I want to buy out of home. And now it can be measured like other media alongside of it. And they're going to begin to see that impact. And I truly believe that 4% is going to begin to uptick. And to your point, we just can't be bashful about it. Go in and say why we're great at what we do. No, we don't. We shouldn't be. And if you look at other markets in the world, out of home has a far larger share because they are more part of the overall media world. I mean, we need to claim our rightful space. We're not going to ever take 60% of the ad market, but we're going to demand a larger share. And, and this is why we're talking about out of home as a key ingredient. It could be out of home on its own, but it also could be out of home in combination with other forms of media. Advertisers just need to pay attention to it because it's a media where you can reach people. And then coming back to the standards work that's being done with the IB Tech Lab, that I'm one of the things I'm most excited about of all the things that we do. And thank you, Ian, for you know taking your time. I mean, you have a day job too to be on that committee and help creating those standards because it's so important for the industry. But we can't work in isolation. It's not about out of home only. We need to tie into other groups and for the reason of making sure that the transaction can happen, but also for what you said highlighting and they're not going to know about our media until we start telling them how it works. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And you talked about the key ingredients and as we kind of wrap up this podcast are coming to an end, how do we promote the out-of-home industry in 2022? You can tease it if you'd like, maybe in the show notes, as we get closer to it, we can tease out the key ingredient and the campaign. But at the end of the day, the ad budgets aren't going to change. They're just not. It's how do we take a bigger portion of that and I think it's two things that we discussed today. The ability to tell the story about out of home as a whole, we shouldn't be going in one-offs and positioning ourselves to be easier to buy and to fit alongside of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely. And the key ingredient is kind of a little quirky and maybe a little corny, but it, it is pretty descriptive of what it is that we need to do. Ad budgets are not going to shift by themselves, even though, and this will come back. Maybe I can join your podcast a little later next year. Oh, please. We see tremendous growth in our industry right now. And when I talk to the membership, I hear that there's a lot of new categories and advertisers that are showing up that we didn't see before. A lot of them are coming in through the programmatic channel. Right. I can't say for sure that they're coming into our channel because they are not buying Snapchat anymore. But I would argue that some of what's happening in iOS uh, 14 and also will happen as the cookie crumbles is per automation driving some new, because they can now buy an audience and out of home. So some new advertisers are coming into our media. So there's already, I think, incremental revenue. Can't prove it. We'll definitely try. But as we're refining our message and we're using good examples of how out of home has been successful, how you can use data, how you can target 
much more individually. You know, that's really how we're going to get to those bigger dollars. And we're going to see that massive share shift. Yeah. And I, I tell our national sales team, and I, I know our friends at Clear Channel and Outfront have the same conversations is as those brands, new brands come in via programmatic and they're buying, it's our job to then not just let that campaign run, but go in and have a conversation yeah. with the DSP buyers and the brand directs if you can and say, hey, this is the effectiveness of the campaign. Show it off. You know, we send glamour shots, mock-up shots. And the hope is, and the holy grail on it, in my opinion, is they start out programmatic. They measure it. They see the effectiveness. If they're truly optimizing like they are with other mediums, they're shifting in real time over to out of home if that campaign's successful away from other budgets. And then the planning cycle is so short and programmatic they then come over and say, hey, Out of Home was very effective. Q3 or Q1 of next year, we want to put 20% of our revenue, where in the past we put 15% in the traditional direct side of Out of Home. And then maybe that trickles over to our Out of Home specialist friends. And oh, by the way, we're going to continue to use the programmatic side and be very pointed and targeted with this specific audience, overlay their first party data. And I truly feel that programmatic and automation is going to be the ability to kind of enter in test and learn and kind of touch and feel. And that's what's going to fast track. And then eventually, I even think it is eventually as 2022, we're going to have brands that are knocking on our door saying like, hey, I have a lot of money here. Out of home works. Let's collaborate. Let's come up with something fun. I guarantee you, uh, I don't only think you're right. I know you're right. I think that's exactly how it's going to happen. As they're leaning in more, they're going to see how well the medium works. If we tell them and they're going to keep investing. And look, we're coming out of, one of the worst situations this world has been in for definitely, you know, a century, maybe even longer, right? And advertisers are looking for new ideas, new platforms, new ways of spending their money. So are agencies. Privacy and social unrest and all the other stuff, distrust in media, it's making them want to look in a different direction. Ad spend has so far never gone down. It's always been a certain percentual function of GDP. It's just shifted between different platforms. We have an opportunity now to improve our worth. And I think, you know, 2022 can be a real catalyst year for out of home. Yeah. Look, this has been a lot of fun. And I know you and I can literally talk for hours. So you're definitely going to be a guest that we have on the podcast a lot because there's a lot of changes happening. If we're going to leave our listeners with something, it's thank you for your leadership and your continued guidance and education into the other world, which is the online mobile world and why we fit in it. And whether you're a buyer on the DSP side, you're an agency side, or you're a seller, be prideful in what the out-of-home industry does and what, what the medium brings. And don't be bashful. Roll your shoulders back a little bit and say, this is why we're the best and sell it through. So we appreciate you and everything that you do. Thank you, Ian. Thanks for being here. That would be my parting words to the industry too. You guys have so much to be proud of and so much reason to believe that you're going to grow. So don't hold yourself back. The only thing holding out of home back, in my opinion, is out of home. Yep, great. That's, that's a perfect way to end this podcast. Well, thank you, my friend. <laughs> and we'll see each other soon. Thank you, Ian. Digital and Dirt is brought to you by Lamar Advertising. To learn more, check out the links in the description or go to lamar.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple, or other platforms where podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.